Yes, hello there and welcome to Join Up Darts. This is an archive show, which means that I'm not here at the moment, but it's, it's all pre-recorded. But it does give you just a glimpse of what's been happening on the iTunes number one business entrepreneur show since we launched. Now, this show is different and you'll hear laughter, tears, shocking stories, real life turmoil, and of course, the kind of success blueprint that will change your life forever. If you want the dream life, then all the answers are here. Now, these are the old episodes, so to get right up to date listening to the latest stuff, then simply search Join Up Dots, click subscribe, and never miss an episode again. And of course, over at joinupdots.com, you can get instant access to our free 12-day podcasting course or loads of amazing free downloads to kickstart your own entrepreneurial journey, all made by my own fair hand. So let's get on with the show. You've got a lot of catching up to do after all. Enjoy. When we're young, we have an amazing positive outlook about how great life is going to be. But somewhere along the line, we forget to dream and end up settling. Join Up Dots features amazing people who refuse to give up and chose to go after their dreams. This is your blueprint for greatness. So here's your host, live from the back of his garden in the UK, David Ralph. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to episode 87 of Join Up Dots. It's getting big time now. Um, the, the listeners are absolutely exploding. And I really say this, you know, most shows, thank you so much because without the listeners, we ain't got a show. And on the show today, we've actually got somebody who was a listener and is now a guest, which is amazing. I can't believe it. He's actually come through to us and said, would you um, mind if I come on the show? And we checked into his background and he is a perfect fit. So if you are out there and you are an action taker, a mover, a shaker, a zigger, a zagger, and you've got a story of a leap of faith or something just simply inspirational, then drop us a line like this guy did and we will get you on Air. So a little bit, little bit of fame for you and you can share it to all your friends the day you was famous. So let's introduce you to today's guest. He is somebody who knew what he wanted and had a dream to achieve it. Buying into the corporate vision of the big cars, medical cover and the big office with the PA and secretary working overtime to support him, he started studying to be a lawyer. That was his dream. He joined up with all the other eager and soon to be rich and successful lawyers and for the next seven years followed the path that he had created for himself. He was a man on a mission. But what happens when that mission turns out to be the wrong one? What happens when you realize that the passions inside you screaming to get out are not aligned with the day-to-day life you've built for yourself? Well, that happened to our guest after a traveling sabbatical in 2013 when he came to the realization that he wanted out of the legal rat race and instead find the thing that lights him up inside. So what was the path that he selected for himself? And why did the legal rat race not turn out to be the path to gold that he had imagined it was going to be? Well, let's find out as we bring onto the show to find out how he made that transition and, of course, to join up the dots of his life, the one and only Husafa Kapadier. How are you, sir? I'm terrific. How are you? Well, you say you're terrific, but you were saying to me you're a little bit under the weather today. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. Um, I might be a little bit under the weather, but I'm extremely excited to be on the show. So overall, I'm doing great. Well, if, if anything can sort of get that blood pumping through and make you... I tell you what, by the time the, the show's ended, you'll be out drinking beers and, and, and dancing and karaoke. That, that's, that's what Join Up Dots does to you. 
Well, that and also it's 4th of July, so we do have a large barbecue party today in Vegas. But yes, also the Join Up Dots is going to get the blood flowing, I'm sure. Absolutely. So is that where you are um, You're at the moment, Las Vegas? Yes, yes. I've been in Las Vegas for the last three and a half weeks. And it's sort of, okay, so you mentioned again my sabbatical last year where I traveled and commingled with a number of entrepreneurs and that's what kind of got me on the path now it's essentially i'm here for the same thing um uh, kind of a similar type of gathering of all these like-minded people who want to break the mold and do different things so we come here usually it's kind of becoming now a tradition we'll probably come here again next year uh and so on and so forth so that's what i'm back for so do you i always say this anyone who mentions las vegas there are two words that come out of my mouth Barry Manilow, are you going to see the man himself? Sadly, no. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've been to Vegas many, many times, especially since I moved to Los Angeles two and a half years ago. It's only about a four and a half hour drive. And I've never seen a show here. And I rarely gamble. So those are two big things that people like to do when they come here. Honestly, what we do is we usually have a big group of friends. We hang out. We do like to go clubbing a lot. And the nightlife is quite good. So that's that's kind of what we have on the agenda usually. I think Vegas, I, I've, I've been to Vegas and I must admit, I didn't like it. Now, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've got no listeners here from Vegas and I know we have. So apologies. Vegas, I'm sure, is lovely in many shapes and forms, but it just didn't do anything for me. I just... I found it kind of lifeless, exciting, but lifeless. Um, I, I went to a show at the MGM Grand and we saw Jay Leno and um, okay. very, very funny. You didn't do any sort of musical things. But after a sort of a day of going into Caesar's Palace and some of the other ones, I felt like I'd done it. Maybe, maybe I didn't give it its full flow over me and I should have showered in Las Vegas. But, um, yeah, I was ready to move on. So I can only speak from my perspective and as far as the things that I like to do. Now, I actually understand what you're saying. My best friend isn't a big fan of Vegas uh, for similar reasons. Uh, now, for me, like I said, I look at it as a, as a great place to meet up with a lot of my friends. We don't gamble. We don't, we don't do a lot of the normal things. But as far as nightlife... The nightlife is really phenomenal, and especially when we stay here for long periods of time. What happens is you have such, you have such a turnover in Vegas as far as the, the crowd and the people that are here because there's visitors that are constantly cycling in and out. It's an awesome opportunity to meet lots of pe different people in a short span of time. So that's why I like it, but I completely understand why, why you kind of felt that way. So did you thrive on the sort of personal networking that you were talking about then? A hundred and ten percent. Okay, so if you, what happened is for me is one of the main catalysts for eventually having the courage to break away was being exposed to a number of, of people who had done incredible things and and also that we had formed friendships and then they pulled me aside and said, Look, you can do this. We know you can do this. Stop being afraid and and just go for it. And after sort of a couple months of hearing this over and over it built me up to the point where I said, well, kind of two things. One, all right, you're right, I can do this. And two, I really want to do this. And that, was, and that was the biggest catalyst. So I often tell people who are struggling with the decision, especially lawyers, is you need to change your social circle to some extent. Once, If you keep hanging out with the same people that do similar things as you, they will consciously or subconsciously sort of dissuade you from doing it and make it feel much, much riskier. I, I totally agree with that, and I think every single guest who has been on the show t 
talks about their peer group and surrounding yourself. And we, we always quote Jim Rohn. He was the classic one who said, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. But it is so absolutely true. And I, I sacked a lot of my mates that when I looked at them, I, I realized they were taking my time, but they weren't giving anything back to me. And they were the ones that was actually anchoring me to where I was. And it wasn't actually where I wanted to be. So you've got to be very careful with that. And I want all the listeners out there to realize we're not going sort of hell for leather and getting you to change your life. But just be aware, if you're surrounded by people who are, you know, misery guts and are moaning on a constant basis, it's very hard that you're not going to be sort of moaning. Change it on its head and then be surrounded by positive people or people doing stuff which is inspirational. And little by little, you start to realize, hang on, if they're doing it, why can't I? Just as our guest is saying today. Exactly. And another quick expression I want to throw in is take advice from people who are living the life that you want to live. And this this isn't to say that you need to cut your your old social circle free necessarily. What it is, like a good example I can give is I had a really close partner mentor at my old firm who I, I mean I, I almost look up to her as an older sister. Um, and she I know when I was first making this decision, she was giving me really good advice, but I, I, I remember her telling me that she felt it was quite risky and perhaps not a good move. Now, it was great perspective, but the thing, eventually what I realized was it, she was she was in that other world that I was trying to get out of. And so from her perspective, absolutely, she was giving me terrific advice, but it wasn't the right advice for me. And that's what I eventually realized. Well, we are going to sort of go back in time and, and join up your dots and look at your leap of faith. But can you think of the best advice that you've been given that literally on a daily basis you think to yourself, yes, I, I still buy into that. It, it surprised me at the time, but every single day it shows itself to be more true. Yeah, okay. Well, as I began, I mean, because let me tell you, the last year has been filled with ups and downs. So the best piece of advice I can give, well, one of the best pieces, all right, is to always keep going. Um, you the the way to look at it as you sort of begin. So let's say whatever whatever type of business you want to build or whatever life you're trying to manufacture, just keep on moving forward and stay true to whatever process you have designed. And as long as you keep going. So for me, I had some struggles early on trying to, to trying to um, start the business that I'm currently working on. Uh, I had some concerns, but I just I, once I stayed dedicated to that process, um, as I had been told over and over, eventually I started to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And then thing, and then more ideas come in, and and, and the the vision starts to change and mold based on my experiences. And and as long as you have that confidence that things will eventually work out it's not so bad at all and it's actually really really fun it's the thing that makes life invigorating and it's the thing that actually pushes you out of your comfort zone and allows you to grow isn't it uh, absolutely i had so when you talk about being invigorating and exciting mean, it's okay i had somebody every now and then i'll have people from law school or whatever say well do you regret what you've done do you regret do, do you ever wish like go back well first of all yeah i mean i could go back if i wanted to but i tell them unequivocally i would never go back not in a million years and it has nothing to do with financial gains because i mean at this point right i'm making substantially less than i was as an attorney but it's it's completely almost irrelevant for two reasons one i'm 
it's 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 really hard to even compare my happiness or my overall satisfaction levels because a lot of times the way I describe it to my friends is I feel now as though I'm awake and I wasn't before, if that makes sense. And the second thing is that I, I really do have strong utter confidence that things will work out financially eventually as well, as long as I keep grinding and keep pushing. So it's not even it's it's not even a concern in the slightest bit. I don't even think about it anymore. I did at the onset of my quest. But now it's completely gone. Because you love the task. You love the passion. It's the process that you love, isn't it? It's like me doing this. I took a, a big hit on my salary to do this, but it was something that was screaming in me. It had to come out. And actually today, I'm in discussions with a major sponsor for the show. And it's going to be ka time. But actually, there's a part of me that kind of, doesn't really want to do that i am going to do that because i've got to pay the bills it's the process of actually doing the show which is the most important thing for me and not actually the salary so what you're saying there is absolutely spot on and the listeners as well if you're in a job that you don't like that is paying money to you you can take quite a considerable hit and and stay on that hit for quite a while by not going out as much you know cancelling netflix and all the kind of things where our money goes and little by little by hustling opportunities come your way and then you're up and running uh, I, I think that's right on I mean, I, you just made me think of another really awesome and simple piece of advice that i got from one of my closest friends <laughs> if you leave your job and you change your life you're not going to die this was a really this was a a really interesting thing that he had told me because what happens is it's it's a similar th- type of feeling that you get even, let's say, when you're, when you're breaking up with somebody or you're leaving something behind. You get this horrible, horrible sense of fear and concern and stress. And what we've decided is what we've, the way we've kind of looked at it is, is these stressors, like let's say leaving somebody or let's say breaking away from uh, a high-paying job can almost be akin to maybe what you would feel have felt 10, 20, 30,000 years ago when you're living in smaller tribes and breaking away from that tribe or breaking away from your mate. Those types of actions would have almost certainly led to demise, would have led to death. So those were big, major decisions, and they would rightfully so cause a lot of stress and anxiety. Well, today, we those triggers are still hit by these decisions, but the consequences are completely different. And I think that's a big reason why we have these these fear sensors just go off big time is, is we're kind of looking at it through that lens, and, and that's just a vestige of our past. But you're, the bottom line is, if you're a reasonably smart and motivated person, I mean, you do have to be motivated. And I, you, you can't really get around that, I, I think. You do have to be pretty motivated and, and fr- relatively hardworking to see this through. But if you have those, those basic components, you're going to be okay as long as you keep moving. Flex your hustle muscle. That's what it's all about. Did you know my greatest quote? And I love this quote. And a lot of people, you know, quote Steve Jobs and all those kind of things. And yeah, they're good. You know, I've based a whole show around Steve Jobs quotes. But my favorite quote of all time is from Rocky Balboa. When he says in Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa, the last one, life's not about how hard of a hit you can give. It's about how many you can take and still keep moving forward. And when I saw that in the film, it was like, Ah, it was it was like an epiphany and i thought that's absolutely right 
Life's not about how hard of a hit you can give, it's about how many you can take and still keep moving forward. And certainly when you take a leap of faith and you change your career, there's going to be a transitional period when it's all over the shop and you are going to get hit in the face numerous times. But when you start moving through, I always class it as when you go through the speed ba- um, sound barrier and the plane is, is in calm air and then suddenly it gets all shaky, shaky, shaky and then it goes through and it goes even faster. And that's what I class the transition all about. What, what do you think? No, absolutely. And okay, so that made me think of a couple things. Okay, first of all, another thing related to this, another, again, now this is giving me a third piece of advice that I want to give out. Uh, when, when I took, when I began to start, to, this is probably a year before I actually took the leap. When I began to start thinking, okay, law, what, big law was, was a mistake. Now I need to figure out where to go. I started reading all these books, um, books on lawyers who want to leave their careers, how to figure out your right career. So I, I, I was convinced that what I needed to do before I took the leap was to study it to death to the point where I had this perfectly crafted career laid out and I was going to go to it and then everything was going to work out perfectly. Well, it doesn't exactly work like that. And I did read a book that actually touched upon that called The Unhappy Lawyer. And in that book, the author, the advice of the author, which at the time I dismissed, was you find a perfect career just like you find everything else that you like, and it's by experimentation. So you just have to go out and start trying things and eventually whittle down to what you really like or what's a good fit. And I think that's so cool. And, and honestly, I remember reading that for the first time, and that seems super scary and super risky. But at the end of the day, it's probably the only way and the best way to proceed. And now I'm seeing it from the other side. And my my vision when I started out is already shifting and has already shifted substantially. I mean, I plan to take on all sorts of different projects now as a main part of what I do, which I didn't even envision when I first left. And it's and and it, it just kind of came about by by trying a bunch of different things. Just before we jump back and we actually sort of look at the, the big dot, as we call it in Join Up Dots, that the moment when you decided, I've had enough, my seven years in law school or the legal rap race come to an end. I was recording a show last night, which is going to go out, uh, your episode 87 is going to go out in three days time and it's episode 90. And it was a lady who is living in Los Angeles and she is a Reiki master and she is a life coach and she's all about bringing positivity into people's lives. And she was actually at legal school. She was a, a lawyer, a trainee lawyer, a litigator. And she used to get terrible stomach pains all the time, all the time. And when she went to the doctors, he said, you're basically allergic to legal school it's not doing you good going there it's too stressful and she kind of just ignored it and she did certain yoga practices and it it eased the pain but then her big dot and it ties up with your story is she suddenly had an appendicitis and she got rushed into hospital and it was sort of near death situation it was a real bad one and afterwards the doctor said to her you're going to be off work for 30 days and instead of focusing in on the pain she just thought thank god I don't have to go to work for 30 days and when the other lawyers sort of turned up they all surrounded her on the bed and they were all kind of going oh what operation can I have not to go into the legal rat race and stuff and so it it was amazing story that these people who were following 
following a path which looked glamorous, looked um, lucrative, and quite often were the paths of their parents or their grandparents or sort of other close-knit relatives. Actually, when they got into it, they thought, this isn't for them. But she was brave enough to do something about it as you are. And that's where I want to come on to now. I want to come on to your big dot. Was it a moment, another, an epiphany? Or was it just a series of little dots that joined into that big one where you went, my path has to change? It was a series of, let me put it, okay. It was a, definitely a series of little dots, but I can tell you the big dot moment where everything kind of came together. So again, it, going back to the to the sabbatical and sort of group travel that I embarked upon, it was it was constantly being bombarded by just a lot of really positive encouragement from all these incredible people who had done amazing things and had left behind quote unquote high value corporate positions to do something what they wanted to do and break out of the mold. So hearing that it sort it was happening without me even being really fully aware of what was happening, but eventually my confidence and my courage just kept building and building and building. Now, at the end of the summer, I come back and I remember I was going on a trip with my family and I had I had a new job that was waiting for me at a new firm. Okay, so in order to take the sabbatical, I actually had to leave my old firm because I ran the idea by and they they uh, weren't too keen on it. So I I actually found another job, then I left my old firm, I traveled, and my new position was going to was supposed to start on September 2nd or September 3rd uh, of 2013. Uh, 2013. Okay, so then I come back, and I, I remember going, I was in Belize with my family, we were like snorkeling and scuba diving and stuff like that, and I, I, fi- I finally said, and my family's a traditional Indian family, this type of stuff that I'm doing now, it typically does not really fly. But I said, okay, I need to at least, I need to at least uh, bring up the subject that I'm probably not going to do this. Because now I said, okay, I don't think I want to do this anymore, and I think I want to do my own thing. So I brought it up to my dad, and I started talking to my parents, and they were really against it, really, really against it. And even the night before I was supposed to start my position in L.A., I called my dad. I said, I don't think I'm going to go in. I'm just going to tell them I can't do it. I want to I start something on my own. Can I just butt my in there? Got- Can I just butt in Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Why, sure, why sure. was it that your parents were so against it? Was it because of sort of the, the, the Asian families like their kids to go into sort of becoming a doctor or a sort of legal thing? Was it that kind of issue? Okay. If I had to re- – my opinion of it – is it's a couple different things. Uh, one, I, I do. I mean, my parents are just typically are quite risk averse, and this is sort of common amongst um, our culture. Not not to, of course, it's a generalization, but they're just risk averse in general. And they they saw me take on a really quote unquote prestigious profession where I was making really good money, and they wanted me to have that stability. Uh, there is some outside pressure as well in the Indian community. I mean, so my parents would probably say, no, this had nothing to do with it. But but this comes in in all sorts of different ways. It's sort of the way that the community views the families and children and, and adults and what they're doing. And I know that this also had maybe some subconscious part in, in that feeling for them. Like, oh, my God, what's everybody going to say? He's leaving law. He's leaving this, this lucrative career to do what? He wants to start his own thing. So I think, I think all these things played a part. And t- t- in my dad's mind, what he kept telling me was just give it time. Give it time and it will eventually 
really start to feel good. And then I, I just and 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 then he, I remember he said one other thing to me. He said, "By the way, you go on and you do this. You're not wasting any time because all this is valuable experience that you're getting." That's true. And then though, I remember. Well, it's it's true to an extent because everything has diminishing returns after a while, right? So, like, it's a good way to look at things when you're in a situation that you can't get out of. You can try and milk out the positive things, but but different experiences have different um, different um, amounts of value that they offer. So, for example, yes, I could have stayed in law for ten years and I would have gained something from it. That's absolutely true. But the amount of value that I can now grab from what I'm doing now is immeasurably greater in my opinion especially the last year or 10 months that i've had god i mean the amount that i've learned the amount that i've grown it, it it's just what would have happened if i would have stayed in law would have completely paled in comparison so yes it's not it's not bad advice that my dad gave me but i eventually realized that okay well that's true with anything you could you could you could gain experience and insight from anything you do but i want to do something where i can maximize that so, so what was it about the legal profession after seven years? Because obviously you went into it with all the passion in the world. But what was it that actually turned it sour for you? Law is a very interesting beast because what happens is a lot of people, especially in the States, tend to go into it with, with imperfect information. And, and part of the reason why that is is because of the media and because of the way it's glamorized in Hollywood and so on and so forth. For me, what happened is the reason why I first went into it is I actually sat jury duty for a medical malpractice case, and I found it really fascinating. Juries and trials themselves are quite interesting. I love speaking in public, and when I listened to the attorneys present the case and give their perspectives, and I saw how it unfolded, I thought it was really intriguing. And I said, I could do that. I could get up and talk to a jury and give, give these great speeches, and I, I think I could interrogate witnesses. I, I said, this is perfect. I want to give it a shot. Did some research, went to law school. Now, law school, I absolutely loved it. It's really interesting to see how the laws have developed and how, how all these different cases have, have changed the course of common law. I, I found that really fascinating. Big law, however was not what I kind of expected it to be. Now, yes, you, have, you, you make really good money. You get to do all these really cool things. You, you get flown around a bit. So there's these little things that I, I initially thought, wow, this is cool. I made it. But it's the day-to-day -day that, that sort of is disappointing. Now, also, Forbes magazine wrote an article, I think six months or something ago, maybe a year ago now, about the unhappiest jobs. And Big Law Associate was number one. And the reason why that is, is because of the type of work that you do as a big law attorney. You're, mo you're basically stuck in your office pretty much 95% of the time. You're doing a lot of reading, which I do love reading things that I enjoy, but the type of legal reading that you do, is, it's just really bad. And you're, you're looking for these little nuances, little details. You're, doing, uh, you know, you're, you're reviewing case law. And to me, it's just, not, it's just not fun. The type of writing you do isn't fun. I love to write with a passion. I just finished my first book. Um, a few weeks ago, and it's that to me is so much fun. Just sitting in my room and writing, even though I'm I, I love social contact. But the type of writing we were doing is just it's just not fun. It's a lot of boilerplate language. You're using exemplars from prior cases and molding things that are just it's just not interesting to me. Even though at a from a from far back patent law, which is what I practice, law related to new technologies, I thought it sounded cool. The nitty gritty wasn't fun. 
Let's play you a, a speech. I kind of pre-warned you that I was going to play this speech at the beginning because this is Jim Carrey. But you haven't heard this, but I'm going to play it now to you because I think this says everything about what you were just speaking about. So this is Jim Carrey. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Now that is spot on for you, isn't it? Absolutely. And this is so interesting because uh, I didn't know you were going to play that, but we, one of my friends had just played that for me last week. They just brought that up and played that for me. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's a great quote. It, it, it's one of those quotes. I think it should last forever because it is so spot on. Like the words of Steve Jobs that we're just going to play and like the words from Rocky for me, they are, you know, just snapshots of truth but they inspire me just by looking at them. And when I first heard Jim Carrey say that, I was amazed because I was expecting this 26-minute speech that he did was just play for laughs. And he did a brilliant job, as you hopefully you've seen all of it. He did play it for laughs, which you would expect, but he came out with some whammies like that. And I think that is one of the best ones I've ever heard. Yes, you can fail at something you don't love, so you might as well take a chance on something you do. I hope everyone listens to that and really thinks about that. And if you are in a situation, as as we've been saying all the way through this show, it doesn't kill you to change it. You're not going to die if you change your job. You're not going to die if you leave your boyfriend um, or your girlfriend or whatever. It is up to you to create your own reality, just like Huzafa is doing at the moment. So can you tell us about your book that you've just written? Because I'm fascinated about that. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, through this process, I know for a fact that writing books is now going to be a big part of my life. So this is hopefully the first of many to come. The book I've written, uh, I've co-written uh, with one of my best friends, Jasper Rivers. It's called "Get Paid for Your Pad," and it's all about. It's kind of it's kind of a how-to book on how to use Airbnb. Uh, are you familiar with Airbnb? No, no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so okay, let me give you an explanation. Airbnb is the biggest company in what's called the short stay rental market. What they do is they connect people who are traveling with people who are renting out their homes in various cities across the globe. And now they've spread to uh, over 190 countries in the world. So they're pretty much everywhere. And it allows people to directly rent out their homes to travelers uh, and and and. It's really, really incredible because it's an alternative to renting out a hotel. Usually, the the guests will get a much cheaper deal than at a hotel unless you're really going for something extravagant. On top of that, you get all these amazing benefits. Like, for example, we're we're actually renting a house on Airbnb right now in Las Vegas. We have a huge house. We have a full kitchen, an awesome basement, pool table. We're a little bit off the strip, but it's so much more comfortable and relaxing. Plus, we get the benefit from the inside of our host, who's a local. So there's all these great benefits. So what we we wrote this book, not for the guests who are looking for a place, but for the hosts who or homeowners who are looking to rent out their homes. And the reason why why we wrote this. So the reason why Jasper, it, it was Jasper's inspiration. He brought me on because of my writing ability. But um, he, he had this brainchild because 
he saw what was happening with him. He used to rent out his place on a fixed-term basis, which is a year at a time, and he was making around $24,000 a year. When he, he finally started seeing how much, people, how much money people were making on Airbnb, and he switched over. And after he worked out the kinks and figured out the system, his income went from $24,000 to $60,000 per year uh, with his apartment. He has a, a two-bedroom flat in Amsterdam. So after learning all these different, these different ways to up the ante as far as his customer service and the way he listed his property, he said, I've learned so much. I want to write a book. I want to share it with the world. Do you want to help me? And I jumped at the opportunity. And so it took us about from, for me, actually, once I took over, as far as he gave me kind of like the, the core book that he had written as far as all the facts, and then I took it and I just completely rewrote everything uh, in, in my own word with my own voice. And that took uh, about three months, uh, so starting from February. And then we got a designer, did everything ourselves, and finally, it actually just went on sale uh, on July, hold on, let me think for a second, no, on June 30th. So And you can get it through Amazon and stuff, can you? You can, not yet. Right now, we're selling it through ClickBank. Um, the way you can get it is if you go to www.getpaidforyourpad.com, and there, actually, you can also sign up for our mailing list. Uh, and once you go there, you can you can buy purchase the book, and you can just download a PDF. Well, we will put the links on the show notes for that because that sounds fascinating, and it leads me to my sort of next question, really, because you are Mr. Passion. You are so passionate; it's untrue, and I can just hear it coming out of you. And especially when you're talking about writing, when you were a little lad, a sort of you know a, a five year old, eight year old, ten year old, did you used to spend a lot of time writing creative stories and and little tales? Okay, so it's actually interesting. When I was younger, as far as the creative stories, okay, I, I can talk about a lot of different things right now, but what I would do instead, and I still do this to some extent, is a lot of times I would sit in my room and I, would, I wouldn't write them down, but I would come up with all these stories and characters in my, in my mind. Mm. And, and I would just pick them up every, so then I would, and then I would go down and have my day and, and do my thing. And then I would come back and when I'd have my alone time, I'd pick up the story where I left off. And, and this would happen a lot of times and it would change and transform and then I would start following new characters. So this is the type of stuff that I would love to do. But as far as just being creative in general, I've always been drawn to all sorts of, of creative pursuits. And, I, and by the way, I just want to clarify, creativity doesn't necessarily just mean having to pursue something in the arts, right? There are a lot of amazing engineers that, are, on, that yeah. have over... Yeah, I have, have tons and tons of creativity. So creativity is, and there's a great book called Awakening Your Inner Genius, which talks about what exactly creativity is. Because I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's a nebulous concept. But it's it's being able to connect different pieces of information from from that's spread across different regions of your brain and connect those and then come up with new ideas. That's, in a nutshell, that's kind of the way it describes it. I thought it was a good description. But the other things that I've always loved to do creative-wise as far as, I mean, I love creating music. That, that, that used to be something that I was almost going to do professionally and that my parents were really against as well. So the, the, the agreement they worked out with me was I was a software engineer and they said, okay, you can do the music thing, but you have to do it on the side. You've got to be a software engineer uh, during the day and you can do this uh, on the side. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll, that, that's what I'll do. But that's something that I'm really passionate about. And writing, uh, as far, the thing about writing is, again, I used to always have that voice in my head that said, wow, I'd always, I'd love to write a book. I would love to, but 
blah, 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 fill in the blank, whatever nonsense excuse you can think of. I just never thought I would actually be somebody who had completed a book. And now I've blown through that barrier and I just, I, I, it's just so, it's just so freeing. And now I, I just know I'm going to write book after book after book. And I've already got an idea for my next two, my, my next two books and a bunch of tentative ideas for those after that. What you're talking about is the imposter syndrome and we all have it. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter who you are, you will have moments when you think, uh, that's too big for me, uh, I can't do that, I can't do that. David Cameron, the Prime Minister, Barack Obama, every single person on a daily basis will think to themselves, I can't do that. But once you blow that out of the water, really anything is possible within reason, you know, but you can really change your path. I, when I... Joining up my own dots, I remember sending off some letters to become a radio DJ. Really fancied be on the mic, doing the kind of things. And part of me didn't expect to get what I wanted. And so when I received responses saying, no, there's no jobs at the moment, I kind of just accepted it. Now I'm doing something that I should have been doing years and years and years ago. But it's only because I've managed to shake up that imposter syndrome that the future looks good. And for all of you out there ignore that little voice in your head because we all have it and just tell it to shut up and go elsewhere because once you start focusing on what you do want and go after it you're not half going to be surprised at what you can achieve and yeah, that's so awesome and another thing uh, just to add to that when you have that voice or those negative thoughts creep in another really good rule is just take action regardless of your doubts or your fears and just start just start moving forward and eventually things will click into place like it's it's sort of like you go let's say you go to a, a, a networking event or something where you're supposed to go and meet people and you and you, you you as you walk in the doors you suddenly feel overwhelmed with this anxiety and say oh shoot i really don't feel comfortable talking to these people and why are they going to want to talk to me anyways okay right negative 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 starts to creep in instead of trying to work out these thoughts and and get yourself into a positive state you can jumpstart that by just taking action to say okay well i don't i know i feel i'm nervous but i'm just gonna do what i'm supposed to do and that's go up to the first person i see and introduce myself you do that a few times and that'll kickstart your state and eventually things will start flowing and it's the same thing with these types of ventures when you was a little lad as well were you a little hustle muscle monster would you go out trying to sort of mow lawns and wash people's cars and do all the kind of paper round things that that kids did not at all it's really funny now that the now my mind is sort of on fire with all these cool ideas and different things that i want to do and so maybe perhaps somebody might meet me today and 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 think that i was always very quote unquote entrepreneurial minded and i absolutely was just so focused on school when I was a kid, and that was going to be my path. Uh, my mom's a doctor. At one for a long time, I wanted to be a physician. Then it sort of shifted to to engineering. But I wasn't that guy. I the I had thoughts about. Okay, so let me t- let me sort of connect this with another point that I wanted to make about the way that I've changed now. I always had ideas. I always had great ideas on different businesses I could start or different things I could do, but I never followed through and always sort of kept my focus on, on what I was doing on a, on a sort of a typical path. So I felt like I was always that guy that had these ideas and maybe maybe started on, on following through with some of them, but always gave up. That was me. That was my MO. Now I'm the guy and this is only within a year. Now I'm the guy. When I get an idea, I just start. I just start going. And I actually, excuse me. I actually 
follow it through. Like, for example, this book, this could have easily been years ago when I was working in law, something that I was said, yeah, let me try it. And then, of course, things would have come up. I don't have enough time and I would have just pushed it to the side. Now, as soon as he brought me the project, I knew I was going to see it through. And that's it. It just feels good to because this is honestly the person that I always wanted to be where I'd get a cool project or a good idea and I would see it through and I would crush it and do, do the best. And by crush it, I mean put in my absolute best effort and feel really proud of it at the end. And now I've kind of become that person and it, it feels good. It should feel good. You're, you're creating your own path. You're, you, you don't know where you're going, but you know that you're going to get there and you're going to bump into walls. You're going to hit closed doors and then suddenly you're going to see an open space and then you're going to run and then you're going to have obstacles as well. It's exactly what Steve Jobs basically said. And we're going to play this now because I think that you are a man who is on a mission, but ultimately your, your final destination you're unsure of you, you can't possibly know because there's so many exciting opportunities coming your way and it might be that you know somebody comes around and says let's make a movie and you think oh i've never done that before but now you've got that mindset to be able to go yes i can try that and if i can't do it myself we can get people around us to do that then you've got a world of opportunity which is simply astonishing so let's listen to steve jobs and then let's get your flavor on what these words really mean of course it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when i was in college but it was very very clear looking backwards 10 years later again you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect them looking backwards so you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. Okay, so amazing words, but what do they really mean to you? Yeah, so... To me, it's kind of it's kind of has to do with having again. So now that I've developed this really really powerful confidence within myself, which honest to God I did not have at all before, and and people would probably look at me and say, well, yeah, but you went you did these things, you you should have felt confident in yourself, and I and I look back and I'm sort of bewildered by it as well now because I feel so good about myself, but yeah, I didn't have it. So what I think it means is really get what's called, maybe some people have referred to it as your inner game. Uh, I'm taking that term from a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, but get your inner state so solid and strong where you really believe in yourself that you can accomplish what you set out to do and just start moving. And when you, especially when you're sort of carving your own path, it's okay that you don't have a clear picture of where you want to go. And moreover, even if you have a clear picture of where you want to go, it's okay to stray away from that as you're moving forward and making progress. And to not be afraid of, of letting go of things and, and just sort of weaving your own path around whatever obstacles may come up to find the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow. And that's, what, that, that's kind of what that means to me. And I've realized that throughout this journey as well because like I said before, this always used to be a big area of concern is for, I, I need to have a final destination. Okay, I'm go, I'm a lawyer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for partner and make make a make my name there in patent law or whatever. I always had to. I always wanted to see that destination, and that's kind of how I've just been trained my entire life. Now it's completely different, and it's it's super cliche, but it's more or less that my life. It, it's it's almost like now I really am living in the moment, even though I do envision something 
big eventually, you know, big things and good things happening in the future. But I sort of live in the moment as far as I'm constantly looking at feedback and pinging and the way I feel about what I'm doing to guide me on a day-to-day basis. It's not a year-to-year or a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. No, forget all that. I don't operate like that anyway, any anymore. And that's partially based on now what I've realized is beneficial for me, but that's also after talking to tons and tons of really successful people and successful entrepreneurs. I remember when I read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, it was it was a changing book in my life. And I realized that there were people out there that were creating businesses that could run on automatic pilot and they didn't have to be there nine to five every single day. And for me doing this job, that is my destination. At the moment I'm pretty much chained to the computer. 17 hours a day and the balance in my life is not right but already I'm seeing a point where I can start to bring in other staff and I can get support so that the show can actually move on without me being here all the time I will never ever give up with being on the mic because I love this I love this more than I've ever done anything in my life before but ultimately the rest of the administration and stuff can go on automatic pilot and I think that for me is true success that's awesome. I actually, funny thing is, I actually just read the four hour work week, even though I think it came out almost four years ago. I just read it two weeks ago. <laughs> As I'm a bit uh, late, to, late to come on to it. But that, that book is incredible. And that was also, I had heard many things about it, uh, about the, this, about the, in particular, the automation idea. And I do think that's awesome. And for me, I would like to have some semblance of, semblance of an automated career as well. But you know what it's become for me, and you just mentioned it as well, and I, I just wanted to bring this up. For me, what it's become about is is weaving my life around things that just genuinely make me happy. And that's that to me has been the biggest revelation now, where I'm, I'm leading a life where Sunday is no longer a day of angst because I know mon- what's around the corner on Monday. And when I think back on that type of a life, which seems so normal to me for a long time, it's just it's just completely it's just terrible uh, now there's li- it's literally every day i wake up excited to do something now it, that's not to say every single task is a stroll in the park but overall it's it's just it's just it's just a whole new existence and you know what phrase i just realized the other day i was thinking about this you know what phrase that i completely detest now after thinking about it it's the expression of killing time like, what does that even mean Right? I mean, you know what it means when you're, when you're sort of doing something day-to-day that's uninspiring or uninteresting, but it's just now I, I've realized what a poor choice of words and what a poor concept that is. I heard an interview with Billy Joel many, many years ago, and they said to him, now, Billy, you've had all these 100 million albums and you've sold out all these stadium tours and, and everything. You know, what has success brought you? And he said, time. Simple as that. He could wake up every morning and if he doesn't fancy doing something, he doesn't do it. And he has choices. And the majority of people out there who are employees, well, literally all of them, I imagine, if they're employees, don't really have that ability to choose. And if you are feeling a little bit down on a Monday morning or whatever, you still got to go in there and do it. And now I'm not saying that you and me have got the ideal life because being an entrepreneur does take up all your life. But when it does blur into one and you're not sure when it's work or play, then that's a powerful position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do just want to mention as well, and right, like you, you did, you did say being an entrepreneur can, can it is quite uh, time intensive. Actually, as my, I worked a lot as a lawyer. I mean, 
the hours in big law are really are really bad. Uh, by bad, I mean it's just it's intense. But I'm definitely quote unquote working, although it doesn't feel like it. I'm quote unquote doing stuff related to my businesses more now. But that's for me is like I said, it's just it's so much better. It's such a better existence for me. I do have friends who work in big law. It's a minority, but I do have some that are, but I think are genuinely happy and on a really good path and want to and like what they're doing. And that's awesome. It's, it's not to say that you're either an entrepreneur or you're unhappy, right? There's all these different career paths that, that can fit what basically what people are looking for in different capacities. Like for example, I had a friend who was an investment banker for several years and that made him really miserable. And then he eventually realized what he was truly passionate about and that was medicine. And he went back to med school at 26 or 27 and now he's, he actually just finished and is now starting his residency. For him, that's what really gets him going and gets him excited. And it's, it's, it's an individual choice. It's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking about my situation at the moment. And I've now got the ability of having a certain amount of freedom. And so if I don't fancy doing something on a Tuesday afternoon, I don't need to do it. But my realization on this is that when I have got free time to do what I want, nobody else has because they're all at work. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I'd almost like to be able to fund people to hang around just for when I fancy a couple of beers down the pub or whatever on a sunny afternoon. Because it, it can be lonely when everybody else is at work, nine to five. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, but the, a great way around that is to start building, uh, all, not, not to, again, not to cash in your old social circle, but to start building new social circles. Like, for example, I mean, I can specifically talk about the month right now where I've been in Vegas surrounded by 40 awesome, incredible people. We hang out all the time because we're all doing similar types of things, and it's absolutely incredible. We have six people staying in this house, and, for example, we will spend every morning together all with our laptops downstairs hanging out, having fun, and working on our businesses, and it's incredible. We are very flexible, and, it, and it's great now. Could I do this with my friends back home who work at law firms in Los Angeles? Absolutely not. But there are plenty of people, I think, out there that actually are leading similar flexible lifestyles. And I, I just encourage people to go find those other folks and link up. Just, just before I put you on the sermon of the mic and we send you back in time to have a one-on-one -on -one with your younger self, just give us a flavor. We've been talking about your entrepreneurial tasks at the moment, but what are your businesses at the moment? Sure. So there, the, the main thing that I set out to start when I left, and this is when, and let me, let me just jump in quickly to this, briefly to how exactly I left, because I think it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny, perhaps maybe entertaining, but I actually did end up going to start my new job at my new firm because my dad was so stern about his belief that, you know, you really need to go. Just trust me, just go. I started there. And I worked for a week and a half and I realized there was no way I could do it anymore and I wanted to start my new business and I quit in a week and a half and they were not very happy because they waited all summer for me to start. But it was that point where I just knew I couldn't do it. And once you reach that point where you just know you can't do this anymore and you need to do your own thing, that there's no going back. And I told them that. I'm like, I would have never done this in a million years before because this is such a corporate faux pas. It's really, really um, terrible. But I said, I, I made my decision. I'm out. Okay. So I stepped away. What did I step away to do? I stepped away to start a business that I'd always thought would work. And that was an education services company or a tutoring company. 
And I had, I, now I had the idea to start this a long time ago when I was 23. And again, I'd made the flyers, I thought about it, and I didn't see it through. Because I just started thinking, oh, this is going to be too hard to do X, Y, Z, whatever nonsense excuses come up. Well, this time I said, all right, I want to really see what I can make of this. Because I'd always seen there's a large upside for really good teachers, right? There's a huge range of what you can, of, of how much money you can make and all these different things. And I thought, I'm, I've, I've always taught for free and on a pro bono basis when I was an attorney. And I've always felt that I was a really good teacher, especially with math, because I, I love math. I'm really passionate about it. I said, okay, I want to put this skill and this passion to use and make it my bread and butter and let's see what I can do with it. So my company is called Scalar Learning. Um, Scalar, I took that word from matrix uh, matrices when you have matrix multiplication. I won't get into it. The bottom line is the scalar is a number that multiplies all these different numbers within a matrix and it's sort of like an amplifying agent and so that's the way I look at myself with a number of students amplifying uh, their abilities in math. So that's where I came up with the name Scalar Learning. Anyways, my company now deals with helping kids work on math. I also help some other subjects as well and I've gotten into some standardized test prep but as I said, as you keep pushing the idea evolves and changes as you keep learning and growing. Now my next big thing is I still want to stick with education and I still want to work with kids but the big thing that I want to transition to now is building online video tutorials for SAT and ACT and other standardized tests for those, for those like online preparatory courses. And that sort of and it's so beautiful to me right now and we'll see how the first version goes but it's so beautiful to me right now because it combines all these things that I love to do. So, like for example, I'm going to put this together all myself. I love video editing. It's another big passion of mine. I love music. That's probably going to have play a role in the videos. I'm going to use all these different things that I love to do to build this up. My plan is to work on it for from July through through the end of August for about two months, and I think that should give me enough time to release it at the onset of the school year. But so that's how the business is now changing, and who knows where it will be in six months? I don't know what I'll be doing. I have an idea, but I'm always open to change. I find you inspirational. Do you know that? I'm sitting here listening to every word you're saying and I know absolutely you're going to achieve it. You're going to achieve everything because you're playing totally to your passions. You're being totally unique to yourself and you're working harder than you've ever done before or probably not harder, but harder in a way that you, you're actually enjoying it at the same time. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. But the thing, you know, it's really interesting that I... For the, fir for the first time in my life, I'm, I always used to gauge my success or not my, uh, gauge my success and my abilities and capabilities based on what other people would tell me. For example, when I was at the law firm, I didn't feel like I'd done a good job on anything until I'd gotten a good review or somebody came and said, wow, nice job. I was waiting for that validation. And I was sort of like a validation junkie because this is how I grew up. I grew up based on a system of grading and test scores and et cetera, et cetera. And now, and now I don't, like, for example, I don't need to go to somebody who's in the business that I'm in and for them to tell me, yeah, you're doing it right or you're wrong. I just have this inner belief that I'm going to figure it out. And you can, I'm sure you can relate to what I'm talking about, but it's just, it's just so powerful and it feels so, feels so good. Have you ever read a book called The Power of Habit? Yes, I have actually. A, a long while ago. Okay, well, that book, uh, for all your listeners, please go out and read it. It's so good, and it's, it's changed my life quite dramatically as well. 
But there's this really cool con. You talked about this actually. You touched on this before, and I wanted to bring it up, uh, but I, I, I didn't want to throw it into the conversation at the point. But it, but it talks about the concept of belief as well as habits and everything else. But belief is a really interesting thing because, it, in, and it it doesn't it doesn't mean belief in a higher power necessarily. But what it means is just sort of belief in general that things are going to come together, that there's something that's that's guiding you, that's gonna that's gonna take you to uh, that's gonna push you to prevail. There's something really powerful with that that can make very good things happen. And of course, I can sit here and tell you, well, you just got to believe in yourself. Well, that, but that's that's really difficult to do. Again, it's it's how to figure. It's it's really important to try and figure out how to get yourself to actually sincerely believe in yourself and believe in your abilities. And there are ways to do that, but one of which is, again, for me, like surrounding yourself with really, really positive people who believe in you, and eventually you'll absorb that and take it on. I believe that this show was going to be the biggest show ever from the, from the very first go. Every morning I would look in the mirror and go, you are the owner and host of the greatest podcast out there. Even when I was on episode one, two, three, four, five, and I got to episode 50 and 60 and 70, and now, absolutely now, I sit here and I think, yes, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Now, whether that is visualization or belief, I don't know. But certainly, you need to have that positive outlook so that you can push through the times that are hard or push through the times that are just sluggish and not moving as fast as you want them to be to get your true rewards. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. Right, at that part of the show, sir, let's let's play the theme tune of the Sermon on the Mic. And this is when we send you back in time to have a one-on-one with your younger self. And if you could go back in time, what age of um, would you choose? Would you choose a five-year-old? Would you choose a 20-year-old? Totally up to you. But this is the Sermon on the Mic. Here we go. With the best bit of the show, the sermon on the mic, the sermon on the mic. Okay, so for me, the age that I would go back to, by the way, is 18. And that's kind of right when I was about to start university. And what I would tell myself is don't be afraid to try things and fail and i would actually tell myself to not even look at things in terms of failure and successes because that i actually i think is also misleading instead of looking at things as failure and successes learn think of everything as a learning process and just go forward from that perspective and each thing that you try and work on is making you better and stronger and building you up to be a better person and a better man. And if you're committed to never stop improving and to never stop pushing and to never stop trying, you're going to improve at a really, really, really fast rate. And it's hard for you to absolutely, completely believe in yourself, but I'm telling you 100% and take me on my word. I'm telling you and I want you to lock this in your head. You can do anything you want. If you love it and you're going to work at it, you can do it. Do you think the younger version of you would actually believe that if you had walked into the room? So I, the thing is, is that it's really tough to believe, but I would like to think 
that if it came from a version of me 16 years in the future, I would be much more inclined to believe it. <laughs> as opposed to a mentor or even even my parents saying something like that to me. Uh, but because, again, it's so difficult because it's so difficult to get yourself actually believing and to actually shut off those self-limiting beliefs. It, it, there's a big process to it, but but I would hope that perhaps if it came from me, maybe it would, it would sit a little bit more um, than, than from coming from elsewhere. Well, if you haven't had a chance, and I'm sure you've listened to every show that we produced, go back and listen to 82, Eric James on episode 82. And he is somebody okay. that believes that the bigger you dream, the easier it is to achieve. And it's an absolutely fascinating show. So how can people connect with you, Huzafa? Certainly. So, um, well, again, if anybody is interested in checking out our book, and it, this book is for anybody who owns a house or an apartment and wants to make extra money and, and wants, to, wants to be a really good Airbnb host, you can check out our book at www.getpaidforyourpad.com. Uh, that will be one way. If anybody wants to connect with me as far as uh, my education services and needs help with math or standardized test prep, uh, you can go to my website at www.scalarlearning.com. That's S-C-A-L-A-R learning.com. Uh, and those are sort of the two, two probably best ways to get in touch with me and reach out to at least the things that I'm doing. Um, if anybody wants to, of course, I'm happy to, to leave my personal email address with you. It's, it's, it's hard to spell out because my name is complicated, but hopefully you'll put it in the show notes. I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to talk to me or hear about my journey or ask questions for me. I'm an open book. I love meeting new people. Uh, I'm super, super extroverted. So I, I basically try and I've tried to engineer a life where I'm surrounded by friends all the time. So yeah, if you want to talk to me and, and maybe join my social circle, I'm more than happy to hear from you. Well, you've been the best listener I've ever had on the show, and hopefully you're going to start a tidal wave of other people who have been listening to the show and are inspired to create their own future, because that's really what this show is all about. It's not about myself. It's not about the guests. It's about us presenting an idea of hope, and that hope is out there for all of us, and we can have the life that we want if we're willing to go for it. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, joining up the dots. Please come back again when you have more dots to join up as I believe that by joining up those dots and connecting our past is the best way to build our futures. Huzafa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was so much fun. Uh, thanks a lot. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Join Up Dots brought to you exclusively by podcastersmastery.com, the only resource that shows you how to create a show, build an income, and still have time for the life that you love. Check out podcastersmastery.com now. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once to become. So he's put together an amazing guide for you called the eight pieces of advice that every successful entrepreneur practices, including the two that changed his life. Head over to joinupdots.com to download this amazing guide for free, and we'll see you tomorrow on Join Up Dots.